you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. The Around the NFL Podcast. Drinks, it's coffee black. Welcome to the Around the NFL Podcast presented by the United States Marine Corps. My name is Dan Hansis. I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. Good energy. Good energy right now. I feel like a flat Sunday, and so Hansis is bringing the energy. Gotta do it. Good leadership. Maybe not the Sunday that we all dreamed of, uh, but you know it was still football. It's fun, and it was free it's to the moment. people. I, I didn't hate this Sunday. Is that is that the no no I just, wisdom here? No, just like the big games didn't have you know, a electric moment. So yeah, it was just it was a fine. It was good. It checked a lot of boxes. That it's almost over. That's good. Let's talk about it, Mark. We'll give you the floor real quick before we get into anything. Um. The Cleveland Browns, what happened on Thursday. In my mentions, my mentions were flooded with people saying, oh, I wanted to hear from Sessler. We will give you the floor for 30 seconds right now to address the fiasco in Cleveland. It was a fiasco. It's a very uh, Cleveland-type win. You've finally beaten the Steelers for the first time in five years. Your quarterback played the cleanest game he's played to some degree during a messy season. And all anyone can talk about is a... Uh, Gigantic controversy that feels like it was spun from the dreamlands of Dave Damashek. I mean, who's been tweeting about it nonstop ever since. So, you know, it's it, it talk about checking all the boxes. I, I could not. It, I've stayed off Twitter ever since. I don't need to interact about it. We all saw what it was. And, you know, we won't be seeing Miles Garrett for many, many moons, mm. many months in a row. Yeah, the biggest takeaway there was just Damashek's Twitter account is on your radar. No, no, that, you I, kept I interact, <laughs> you I interact kept happily like with Damashek a million times, but it's like. I don't need to go on and on about it, you know. It, it was be, a, it was a bummer, Mark. I'm sorry. It was hard to draw up a win that produced less enjoyment for you. Yeah, it's it's reminded me of the Jets win on on Monday night when I was essentially and not because of Dan, but you're not allowed to celebrate that game either because the Jets had like three professional players on the field. It was just like <laughs> this season is mostly a bummer. And just to tie it all together, Miles Garrett broke Trevor Simeon's leg in that game as well. So he, well, you know, there is a beeline here. It's all been yeah. building up to that. Um, we'll get more into that perhaps uh, during the week. Uh, but um, we have 
some football that occurred on Sunday to talk about. Um, and uh, I'm excited. You know, Greg, even when there's not major, major subplots in all-time games, you love all football games. So this is going to be a fun <laughs> hour and 15, 20 minutes. I'm going to have a great time. All right, so why don't we start with the game that had uh, probably the most uh, excitement per minute. Uh, let us head to the big bell bottom. Garoppolo in the shotgun. Jeff Zero. Wilson Jr.'s in. He runs inside. He's got a 10, 5, touchdown! San Francisco! Feels great, baby! touchdown machine. Jeff Wilson goes up over his head, collects the rock, and rolls into the end zone. Excellent call by Greg Papa and Tim Ryan of the 49ers Radio Network. There's the energy. We got it. From that team. Jimmy Garoppolo beat the blitz, found Jeff Wilson Jr., who gathered the past Bass jetted into the end zone for the go-ahead touchdown with 31 ticks to play the decisive score. The Niners 36-26 win over the Cardinals. Wes, Kyler Murray and the Cards pushed the first place Niners to the limit, but ah, it's called a gut check, win, gut check win for San Francisco. Yeah, you want to play with fire, Scarecrow? Send your zero blitz? Jimmy G hitting the game winner right there. Uh, they, what's crazy about this, Jimmy G throws for a career high 424. 420 Whoa. of those came in the final three quarters. He Whoa. had four yards going into the second quarter, and he finished with nine and a half yards per attempt. He also threw two red zone interceptions. But before I knew who— Namath-esque this performance, just in terms of sure. like the mistakes, the yardage, yeah. just a wild shootout performance. I was ready to push back on the narrative that we have to have a state of the union of every quarterback after every game when I wasn't Ooh. sure if Jimmy G was going to emerge victorious out of this. Now do it. Well, a lot of the same things you're going to hear for Carson Wentz and other quarterbacks, what they're missing, what they don't have, why they're not playing well, you say the same thing for Jimmy G today. He doesn't have his leading rusher, Matt Breida was out. His left tackle, Joe Staley, was out. His best, the best offensive player on the team, George Kittle, was out. Emmanuel Sanders, his number one receiver, is in and out of the game with rib injury and was clearly limited when he was on the field. All these things working against him. A defense that's been dominant gives up three touchdowns to the opposing quarterback. And Jimmy G steps up big, I thought. You know, he had some problems throwing a little bit high early in the game and his receivers still struggling to come down with it. But Debo Samuel running after the catch, Tevin Coleman running after the catch, Kyle Juszczyk moving the chains. It was a, you know, it, it was use all your weapons. And Kyle Shanahan, once again, just a brilliant play caller. I would be concerned, though, that he didn't have a running game. Well, because that's two straight weeks, and yeah, you're missing Breida, but you here's would expect... Here's a stat for you. Yep. Well, 181 yards per game in the first seven weeks of the season, and 74 yards per game in the last three weeks. Right, and under two yards per carry. Maybe it's, you know, you're playing a division rival two straight weeks. Seattle has a pretty good beat on, on what Shanahan wants to do, and now you place the Cardinals two times in three weeks. That's tricky. Uh, but I don't mind. You know, this, this Cardinals 49ers, some teams, they just match up great. Play, have this team. These teams play all the time. 
Only NFL Classic. Well, if I'm a Cardinals fan, and there was reason for depression early on in the season, and you know our friend Jason Zumwalt, who is our resident Cardinals fan, Zumwalt has been up, up and down about it, but I would be enthused. And every season gets one of these teams at around this point in the year where records aside, whatever's happened aside, toss it. They become the berserker, and they can cause major issues for other teams. They play the Rams twice, the Cardinals. They could knock the Rams out of the playoffs between now and the end of the year. And then one of those is Week 17. They play the Steelers and Browns. How about you knock them out, too? This is a berserker team that could cause damage in the AFC and NFC. Although, you, if you're a Cardinals fan, I mean, you hate that Steve Wilkes call. I mean, you're up... You know, he's trying to make a big play to win the game in regulation by, you know, throwing a zero blitz at him with 30 seconds left when, you know, at best, the 49er, or at worst... Vance Joseph, right? Vance Joseph, rather. Sorry, not Steve Wilkes. Uh, And you're hoping that maybe Chase McLaughlin uh, misses a, a kick, but instead you go all out and you have Chandler Jones covering a running back and you know what Chandler Jones did he got undressed on that play the play was over within one second because Chandler Jones is on the ground because you know most there you know beats him and uh, that's tough it's coaching to be fair they didn't like a lot of Steve Wilkes calls either (laughs) in recent history so you can't expect fans to be okay with a loss but I look at this as sort of an unbiased person and you found your quarterback anything to get you a better draft pick is fine by me Mm. They, I mean, it was sloppy. You, you had to take a quarterback two first rounds in a row, but the brain trust and ownership and the people in the uh, in the Cardinals with the Cardinals, I think they're feeling really good right now. It, you feel less good about the fact that you had a sixteen nothing lead in this game. That that's tough. That's that's a tough loss because if you if you win this game, you're not necessarily in in, in the playoff race. You would get to four six and one the Cardinals if they would have held on this game. But it but they would absolutely have so the, the vibes would be like swarming in that building. The positive vibes, not quite at that level, but still. It's yeah. a good spot for us. Pushed a nine and one team to the brink right. twice. Right. I, yeah. I don't care. I get the record and I get specific little plays. But Cardinals fans who have been in the darkness for a, a number of years at this point, to Wes's point, should just feel excited about the future. And it's a huge win for the 49ers because you lose this game to the Cardinals. That's a division loss. You've already lost to Seattle. You've got the Saints. You've got the Seahawks nipping at your next heels. three games. Your schedule is so tough that you couldn't afford this loss. Next three games. Well, let's go next four since Greg's favorite team is on here: Packers, Ravens, Saints, and then Falcons. Falcons are no gimme. Those two middle games are <laughs> talk about a that's my favorite team. Those yeah, two middle games are on the road. And we have seen now Jimmy G be dominant against the Cardinals twice. Uh, let's see if he can do it against some of this competition coming up. Before we go, one last note. Um, one of the all-time Vegas uh, disasters Ooh. scenarios unfolded on the final play of this game. And Al Michaels is the king of Sunday night football in dropping little, little nuggets about what's happening in the desert and how it affects uh, what happened with the final score. Let's just hear Chris Myers give his best Al Michaels in a big spot. DJ Reed takes it into the end zone as time expires. Now, wait a minute. This could mean a lot to a certain amount of people. <laughs> this could mean a lot to a certain amount of people. We all speak in code differently. And he's done it. Grade the ref, uh, Greg, since you're the expert. Wait, grade what? His ref. I think it was solid. B. It's number of people, not amount of people. Okay. Grammar-wise, it takes down. (laughs) Take it down to (laughs) B-. minus. All right, let's move on.
Edelman motions into the backfield. And then motions out to the right. Brady Pass. throws it to him. It's a lateral. Edelman's looking to throw. Under pressure. To the end zone for Dorsett. A strike for a Patriots touchdown. Oh, razzle-dazzle, baby. You can see from up here, perfect call by McDaniels. The execution of Brady just to take a slight step up to make, make sure Edelman off the return motion is wide enough and behind him. He quickly gets him the ball. And Edelman throws a dart to Dorsett, dragging left to right. Bob Sochi and Scott Zolak. I got a feeling your whole family's going down. Zolak, the Patriots radio network with the call. Oh, those tricky New England Patriots. Julian Edelman connects with Philip Dorsett. The go-ahead score with 10.49 to play. And the slug-like Eagles offense slugged its way to zero points in the final 42 minutes of game time. 17-10, Patriots win. Greg, Tom Brady, and I mean no disrespect, was Blaine Gabbert level dangerous in this one. Mm. But the Carson Wentz-led Eagles attack appears completely broken right now. They had a tough matchup. It was windy, as Tony Romo pointed out a million times in the game. But maybe it was worth pointing out because this is one of the worst performances you'll see out of Tom Brady and Carson Wentz. I was coming into this game hoping that you're going to learn something about these two teams coming out of the bye, how they're going to fix some of their problems, what they really are looking at with their strengths. But it was really more of the same for both teams. I mean, a million people are going to make the joke. Hey, the best spiral of the day was from Edelman. Oh! You know? I mean, it was. I mean, that was a bullet. Factual also. A million people? uh, Dorsett's gonna... Yeah, one million people. (laughs) Dorsett uh, was concussed on that play. There was a ton of injuries. You know, in Wentz's defense, Alshon Jeffrey didn't play in this game. They lost Lane Johnson after the third drive, which went, you know, uh, about 90 yards, uh, and they didn't have a good drive basically the rest of the entire game. Jason Peters, their left tackle, went out with what looked like could be a serious injury very late in the game. Uh, and the Patriots' defense is was probably the, the group I've learned the most about just because they haven't played many even halfway decent offenses, and to see them have a truly dominant performance uh, against a good offensive line uh, and the Eagles was encouraging. But you didn't, you, know, you didn't feel any better about the Patriots' offense after this game. It makes me think, and you guys seem to think that my happiness lives or dies on the Patriots winning or losing in November. Well, during, it doesn't. During, during not the, entirely, but not it, it, during the game, you were getting yeah. juiced. You like I will with always, ten minutes left. You're like, this game is over. You're and just I was right. Riding the the vibe in the room is affected. It will fair? always. It will. I will always be rooting for the Patriots uh, to lose. But at the same time, I, I watch this game and I continue now to watch this team as the schedule is tightened up a little bit and. These will be famous last words, but it just feels like I, you know, after what we saw with the Ravens, that the Patriots, they will handle teams like the Eagles. They will beat up on all the bad teams just because they have Tom Brady and the best coach ever. But I would be, if I was a Patriots fan, I'd be a little wet in the underpants uh, with a fear of the new guard, like a Lamar Jackson and even Patrick Mahomes and, and maybe even a wild card team in this conference. I don't think the the Patriots, when I watch them, I don't think they scare anybody. Right. Well, who's I've been saying that since week two. That that it's it's but not you say a, that every it's year. not a great offense. I also don't think this part of the season is huge for them, other than stacking wins. I just think. They had this five-game stretch. As a fan, I went into it thinking, you got to get three out of those five. You start at Baltimore, at Pittsburgh, you're one and one uh, right now if you want to get a bye. Now, you'd love to get the one seed if you're the Patriots, but the the big thing is is getting the bye. And so this is a big road win, and the defense is – 
coming together. I think Isaiah Wynn replacing the worst left tackler, one of the worst left tackles Munoz in football. Munoz coming back next Marshall week. Marshall Newhouse at least gives you some hope. Well, there, I mean, there were still plenty of pra- plays where Tom Brady had guys in his face. I mean, he there was a he lot of pressure. A ton today. of pressure the whole game. Yeah. I thought so too. And he, it, it, they said at one point he had the fourteen. Get that pressure up the middle, and you will make Tom Brady <laughs> uncomfortable. Except it's true in this game because no, they, it's they were. True. They, I mean, they were creaky. True of every quarterback ever. <laughs> they had eighteen yards. They, you have said, Greg, that their line is an issue and that running the ball consistently is an issue. And today, that that absolutely was the case. I think they just faced an Eagles offense that I think I fell asleep at my desk three or four times waiting Slug-like. for that offense to come. And it, and I, I I don't want to referendum every quarterback either, but there were a couple of chances for Carson Wentz to write a completely different story along with the rest of the team. can't blame you know, his receivers for some of those throws on the final drive. No, but, I mean, the wide receivers are no treat in this game either with Elshon Jeffrey out. I but. do wonder if the win had the Brady and Wentz just throwing different types of passes than they usually do because they both threw five to six low scud missile skitters that just mm. looked Bortles like as as you uh mentioned. Aguilar Gabbard. Yeah. A, well he was sub Zabbard a uh, Gabbard zone at four point six yards. Well so yes yeah, so so was Wentz. Uh, yeah, Wentz was, five, yeah. yeah five point four. Just pick a Jaguars quarterback and compare him to Yeah, him. but Nelson Aguilar um had a chance to come down with that ball and listen you could say he should have had it, but that's not Nelson Aguilar's game, making great catches, contested catches. That would have been an insane catch, by yeah, the way. Uh, so I, while it was in some ways very close to a It was a perfect ball, game, though, and if he yes. tracked it perf- well from the beginning, maybe it wouldn't have looked I just so mean hard. where he was at the end where he's like forming a reverse C with his body. That's you know, I've tried that. That's not easy. They, <laughs> have you? Ah, there's such a, a need to just remake this, this offensive playmaker group around Wentz. Um, I like I like the young running back Sanders, uh, but I think with and Ertz, of course, is one of the best tight ends. Uh, but even with Alshon Jeffrey there, is there somebody on the on this team that scares you like a playmaker? They need speed, right? They need yeah, speed. They're, they're they, slow. they just need to kind of Ertz, reboot the machine a little bit here. Ertz, but you know today and today he's still here's my favorite stat because every time I looked up, it was either third and ten. And a pass going to Jordan Matthews, who had one catch for six yards on six targets. I mean, they they have a talent deficiency, and it's not it's not excusing or absolving Wentz, who who's not playing very well this year. He's been very on and off, um, but they need they need help. They need reinforcements. I think if you're the Patriots, though, style points they really just don't matter. Like the, this November stuff. If if you're just playing for Super Bowls, it. You want to have everyone healthy. They're getting a little healthier. They brought back uh, Nikhil Harry, their first-round pick, who did have one, uh, a few catches today. What was it? Yeah, three, three catches. Three Yeah, not much. You, you lose Dorsett. For the most part, uh, they're actually getting healthier. What, you know, you get Matt Lacoste back. It's not going to be – like, here's the thing. They <laughs> won – just do this? Yes, for Matt, Matt Lacoste. Lacoste. Here's the thing. They, the instant replay of Greg's they, they've won – you know, they won Super Bowls early on, and, and many teams have – with weird days like today where their coaches do cook up like one or two key plays in the game that just ends up being enough. And I think Patriots fans just got to get used to it. That's what this well, Nobody's is. panicking. I'll panic when they're down right. by 40 points in the Super Bowl because 28 to 3 didn't get the job done. So at they host the Seahawks the Eagles do next week. Dirt nap game mark. Got not in the, game. Not, not in the NFC East because they also after that have the Dolphins. The Giants twice and the Redskins. So a a bad team could make a late surge. They have a nice schedule. All right, let us move on. 
Second down and 11. Jackson will throw out of the shotgun. He's got Ingram wide open. Far side 20. 15, 10, 5, and he's in. Touchdown, Ravens. A blown coverage for sure by the Texans. Lamar Jackson saw Mark Ingram wide open on the flat, and when Ingram got the ball, he knew he had a touchdown. Jerry Sandusky, WBAL with the call. Lamar Jackson, four more touchdown passes. He added 86 yards on the ground. An MVP-worthy showcase once again, helping the Ravens extend their winning streak to six games. A 41-7 win over the Texans. Mark, this was billed as a showdown between two of the great young quarterbacks uh, in the league, right, in our league. Uh, But while Deshaun Watson mostly ran for his life, Lamar Jackson soared like a glorious raven. (laughs) Yes, he did. I mean, I'd say one of the upsets of this show today is that this is our third build game because barring an absolute wipeout, which it was, it would have been up at number one. This was the clash that we were fired up about on Thursday and have waited for. You called this. I was surprised at the confidence with which you were picking an absolute beatdown by the Ravens. Well, I remember on my way home, I went Uber. I'm thinking, you know, I'm going to get bit on that one. I I came out all excited about the Ravens, and it's probably going to be one of these overtime things. But By the way, when Wes said that, you should have just been like, yeah, I know. I know, but that's that's not real (laughs) because I honestly, I am kind of surprised by... W, bro. But the level of <laughs> incompetence by the Texans in this game mm. was somewhat stunning. And that's why when I look at the box score, if you just don't watch the game yet, no one on either side of the ball on offense stands out. No one had 250 yards. It wasn't a 400-yard performance like Jimmy G and some of the others. It was Matt Judon. It was Don Wink Martindale and the Ravens defense that caused utter havoc right out of the gate for Deshaun Watson. And you could see right away, So this was a game where it wasn't one of these ones that was over in five minutes, but the tone was set when Deshaun Watson on the first possession, two minutes in, is doing one of his figure eights, multiple figure eights for He's going in and out of Ravens defenders. You think he's going to escape and whip the ball to DeAndre Hopkins 25 yards downfield. Instead, it is a strip sack. The Ravens go from there. And it really wasn't much later that the Ravens were up 21-0 on a beautiful catch and run by Mark Ingram, who was uncoverable at points in this game. Your friend. My friend, their tight ends, their running backs, everyone was doing it. This was basically putting the rest of the league on blast. I do believe at this point that the Super Bowl goes through Baltimore, not New England. And this is such a different looking football team than anything else out there right now. And the Browns fan of me has to just shed all preconceived issues with the Ravens because they're the most fun team to watch. And they are dominant on another level right now. My dog, Mark, with a C. We've reached the point in the season where you can tell that the whole city is going crazy for this team because it's just that exciting to watch this team. One of the great NFL cities. Yeah. Everybody's having everybody's having fun in and around the Ravens, even and it extends to the postgame pressers. Mark Ingram, after another quality game, uh, he does his thing. And then Lamar Jackson is on deck uh, at the press conference podium. And this is how the running back set up the quarterback. Now I would just like to introduce y'all to the man, the myth, the legend, the MVP front runner. If anybody else got to say something different about that, then come see me. I'm right here in B-more outside the bank. If you got an issue with that, come see me. I'm about that. Big trust. Woo woo. Lamar Jackson in the flesh. Yes, sir. Big trust. I'm with you. I'm with you. New era ain't apparel. Click shot now. Hey, this man funny.
That, <laughs> it's mad funny. Yeah, yeah. it's mad funny. And I liked Lamar uh, even tried to follow it up by introducing Matthew Judon uh, with an X. He didn't have quite the, the one thing because the reason. And if you have not watched the show that we make fun of the fact that I'm, I went on this random off season trip to obviously I'm not you say telling, make fun. I'm not of? telling. You don't. Well, it is. Yeah. It is. We point fun at it. Uh, we don't make fun. Of all right. Well, whatever. We can deal with that later. <laughs> went to Italy and Germany on a USO mission, and Mark Ingram was was along for the ride. And what I would say is that after dinner, as a group of us, in that like he would order an ice cream sundae. He would talk about the ice cream sundae the exact same way. The details. Like, he couldn't have been more excited about the chocolate sauce and stuff. So he's just that dude. Can I just say, was Mark Ingram along for the ride, or were you along for the ride ultimately at the USO trip? I think it would definitively is up in the air. I mean, you have to hear more about what happened on that trip. Definitively up in the air. The, uh, the, it's not surprising that the Ravens ran all over them. What did they end up with? 263 yards. They are on pace to be the greatest running team in the history of the NFL. Ever. At least in terms of 16-game schedules. What is more surprising is their defense, and scary, I think, for the Patriots and Chiefs and the rest of the AFC. If their defense can win games on their own sometimes and that they keep getting better since they picked up Marcus Peters and they keep making changes, they they benched uh, Patrick Owasso, their their middle linebacker today, who's Again? Real, uh, really been struggling. Uh, and, who you know, they, they're tweaking it, and it's all working, as you mentioned, Mark. Mark, you uh, there was, and we're going to play the sound from Bill O'Brien in a moment. This is a blowout game, but he's furious about a pass interference uh, that wasn't. Do you want to just Th- set thank it up? You. Yeah, thank you for because that's the kind of thing where anytime I was writing or tweeting about Lamar Jackson, Texans fans are saying this game is a ref manufactured nightmare. <laughs> and I, I do, I will say this: it was the first, it was an opening possession pass where DeAndre Hopkins. If you watch the replay, I would say that there were three separate arguments for pass interference to the point where they threw it to their ref analyst guy, and he said, "Yes, the issue is when you're trying to challenge." This and it goes to New York. It seems to hit some sort of robotic stone wall where they're unwilling to overturn what this would have been a clear cut example to overturn. And it did change the game, but it's not the only excuse. Messy as hell. Let's hear from Bob on that. I don't know, John. I have no idea. I got to watch the tape. I have no idea. You know that early pass interference going I don't know. I have no idea. I have no idea what pass interference is anymore. No idea. It's messed up, Wes. It's one and done. It's got to be because this is the this is like the prevalent takeaway on where we are right now. It's perfectly understandable that a referee would miss a call in real time at real speed. It's inexcusable to slow a play down, show it frame by frame on your television to your audience and then tell them they didn't see what they saw. I love the sport, but I don't love it when a legitimate sport forces me to view the proceedings through the prism of professional wrestling which is how I view any time they go under the hood for replay. Well said. All right. It is now time for Road to Victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. It's third down and seven at the Lions 17. Snap is back. They blitz, and he flips it out right. Elliott picks it off the ground. 20, 15, 10. Touch left. Dances in. That's a touchdown. And Elliott comes up doing his impression of the Prescott (laughs) hip swivel warm-up dance. Wow. That was a desperation throw, and Elliott virtually made a one-hand catch to keep the ball off the turf. (laughs) Brett Sham. The Sham got... Turn up my ears. (laughs) I like it. 
are like marching. God. Dak Prescott given ample time by his offensive line, and he rewarded their precision with 444 yards and three touchdowns, taking the Cowboys to a 35-27 win over the Detroit Lions. Greg, we know the Lions' defense stinks. <laughs> we know Matthew Stafford ain't playing ball right now with the fractures in his back. Why is this game as close as it was? Because Amari Cooper isn't healthy because the Cowboys' defense continued, you know, a very mediocre season. Uh, But I still think it shows how this Cowboys team is different because with Amari Cooper not playing a full complement of snaps and the running game and Ezekiel Elliott not really doing that much, they have Michael Gallup to go off for 9 and 148 in this game. They have Randall Cobb Whoa. that make a couple big plays, 4 for 115 and a touchdown. But Gallup, especially in this game, played like a number one receiver. I mean, he made plays in tight coverage. He ran great routes. He was doing it all. And in the past, you would have an injury or two, and the Cowboys would go kaput. And now you've got those two guys uh, in a really balanced offense overall and a better approach by Jason Garrett, who knew his defense was struggling, even against Jeff Driscoll, who played pretty well, actually, and kept throwing the ball when they had a lead in the fourth quarter and even threw the ball on second down to go ice the game instead of running it three times and punting and trusting his defense. So I am hoping that it's Jason Garrett leaning into their passing attack because that is what this team is all about. One of the reasons I was so excited about this offense entering the season was because you could tell by the way Michael Gallup was playing in August and September, he was making the leap. And then he went. Uh, he had a knee scope in September, came back and was not playing with confidence, started dropping balls, wasn't explosive. It looks like he's back now. And this still the best offense in the league by DVOA, I'm sure. Right, and they lose uh, Lyle Collins late in the game, and Cooper's not 100%. So you're still kind of waiting for them to be 100% healthy, but they're close. I mean, to your point on Garrett, Jane Slater from NFL Network reported that he held a meeting with the team and basically took accountability. They didn't say what for, but we could – put together some dots and what it might be about he in was, terms of the offense? Yeah, I think it was him being conservative last week because he was crit- self-critical uh, that he leaned on the run too much in that game. And I, and I meant to mention when I talked about depth, po- Tony Pollard was huge in this game. Four for 44 as a receiver, including a touchdown. But he made plays on his own. I mean, they have playmakers around Dak Prescott, who is also playing great. It happens sometimes in the NFL with head coaches, even guys that have been established there could be a come-to-Jesus type moment or just it, the light goes on or for whatever reason. Maybe if you're a Cowboys fan, that's what you're hoping happens here because they have been, since Ezekiel Elliott came to town, they're like, this is our best player. This is the engine of our offense, and we're going to go through him. Perhaps, Wes, though, it's, it's better to have a more open mind about how you attack the opponent and just be more aggressive in general, which has been a, a negative hallmark, if that makes any sense, of the Garrett era. Well, I think what you're saying is true, especially when Dak Prescott has overtaken Zeke Elliott as the engine driving this offense. Perfect. And Dak has just had a phenomenal year. There cannot be critics anymore of the way he's played. Yeah, I had him. In, I have to rank, uh, you know, the MVP candidates. I had him fifth going into this week. A lot of people thought that was. What do you guys just go back and forth with the weird. ranking of MVPs? It feels like it's every other week. <laughs> oh, really? I have to now every week. It's part of. It's, uh, it's Greg's now. It's part of the debrief. But okay, they ha- he has to be that good because I would be concerned about the defense. It's not a good sign when Jeff Driscoll. 
runs for 51 and a touch. You know, he should run more, frankly. He, he passed right. on it a couple times. Bo Scarborough's running through your defense. They ran in the red zone. The Lions did pretty well. It was closer than it really should have been. But I, yeah, here's a... Unpop- We're worried about the Cowboys' defense. Yeah, uh, here's an unpopular opinion. Go ahead. I, you know, if Jeff Driscoll's playing on Thanksgiving, I don't totally hate it. I want Stafford out there, but Driscoll's got a little something. I still, I would like to put it out there and, and stone me if you wish, people of Michigan. You, the ones that live by the lakes. I, uh, but That's a maybe little harsh. But... Maybe we flex out the Lions going forward. Uh, <laughs> on Thanksgiving, tradition's Thanks. great. It's, we're not going to take away your game in that week, the week 12 or week 13 game or whatever. But we're just going to slide it to Sunday and then put in something marquee oh. in that early game hey, slot. That, that, yeah, that parade you Who's got? coming with me? That, that, That's all they have left. <laughs> yeah, the, the family tradition you've had for 35 years. Sorry. 35? Whatever. Like, like I mean, 35 like, decades. Know, I just mean They've got one particular. <laughs> I think what they, grandparents who celebrated this. They, they basically added the third game as a permanent flex where you can wake up late or you can just get going early with the Thanksgiving party and maybe skip that. Well, how about game? a flex by the schedule makers? Like, this is our game. This is what we're going to do. I, I hear I you. I'm with you. I can't back you on this one. All right. They, they've been, Lions fans have been through so much. This that's is all true. they have. Can I be honest? I, I love it. I love that. That's I love the Lions. Even when they stink, it's a big part of the holiday. It's in Detroit. And everybody's having fun. Uh, but, you know, sometimes you think Jeff Driscoll or maybe I could see Patrick Mahomes at noon on Thanksgiving. That would be nice. Do I need to be a Lions fan? And it's not so much this year, but in, you know, countless years past, the team is 1-11 in and we're about to get waxed 45-10 to 10 on Thanksgiving. Maybe don't affect my holiday if I'm a Lions fan. Just another... My, from the wilderness. Why, why wouldn't you be honest the whole time, though, Dan? You said, you said, well, okay, if I'm actually being honest. Uh, because I Out. feel like I'm going to get some heat. I just, I'm trying to couch it, but also make my statement. <laughs> nice. Drag a few floodlights into that stadium, please. <laughs> that was. <laughs> you have a lighting issue there? Yes! So many critiques. Yes, their, their artificial turf looks gray green. Like, that is not a color that occurs like, in nature. I like please. the facility. It's got a nice field house quality to it. Too. More green, please. More light. You hear that, people of Michigan? Thank you. And that was the road to victory presented by the United States Marine Corps. And we move on. Brissett on a counter, gives off to Marlon Mack, cuts up field, patient run, spins out of a tackle. Still going, he's in the 10, he's at the 5, looking for the pylon, and he is in touchdown, Marlon Mack! The best run you'll see all year! The Colts are in! It's 7-6 with a 13-yard Calm down on that one. Maddie Taylor with the call for the Colts Radio Network. And it may be the last time we see Mack for a while. I have to check in. He has a fractured hand. Left this game in the third quarter. Anyway, Marlon Mack and Jonathan Williams both went over 100 yards. Part of the Colts' best running day in 15 years. 33-13. to A win over the Jaguars at Lucas Oil Stadium. The Colts piled up 262 yards on the ground. The Jags offense unable to get much going in Nick Foles' return to the starting lineup. They It started great, actually. Their first possession, they go down the field, Foles 6 of 7, a great little pass over the middle to uh, DJ Chark, who takes it, takes it to the house. And, um, the, and away we go. We're off and running. But then the game just switched. It just flipped, and Indy took over. And this has been an issue uh, for the Jaguars, who are in very deep trouble now. Um, this has been an issue for the Jaguars at multiple points this season, an issue stopping the run. 
And it's not even the worst game they had this season. Uh, Christian McCaffrey and the Panthers, I think, dropped a 268 bomb on them uh, about six weeks ago. So they don't do a good job against the run. And they got into a situation where, you know, we talk about the Cowboys, Dak Prescott, uh, Zeke Elliott, who you know, the, who's running the offense. Well, Leonard Fournette is the guy that makes the Jags offense go. He only gets five carries in the first half of this game. And by the time they fall behind, you're not going to go back to them. So essentially you're playing uh, a different style ball that you usually play. And the game just slipped away. And to the Colts' credit, uh, they get they they get Jacoby Brissett back. He doesn't do much in this game, but he stays on the field. He stabilizes the offense. And um, this is an important win, and it sets up a huge game on Thursday night with the Colts traveling to Houston. Who are the Jaguars going forward? The Nick Foles Jaguars. I they, mean, they, they, they want to they throw the ball deep. They, they want to get after the passer. They don't have a backbone on defense, apparently. But if you're Tom, I mean, Tom Coughlin probably sold to his owner, you know, what type of team he wanted to have a few years ago. And I guarantee, I bet the, the words, we're going to run the ball, we're going to be tough, we're going to stop the run came out of his mouth. And then you play the Colts. And you have 29 yards rushing, and they rush for 264. Well, I know Leonard Fournette's season-long stats look pretty good, but they go halves and quarters at a time without running the ball at all. Well, I think that has a lot to do with the pairing of John Filippo and Nick Foles, which was not in place when Coughlin and crew hit the scene. A couple Last year they were like, this run-heavy, we're going to run at all costs, and it cost them. Right, and Foles, you know, who I was excited to see – Tough, tough opening uh, spot for Foles uh, Nation here. They're at four and six. They're not done in the division, but you're down two games now with a couple division losses, and uh, you're in you're in pretty big trouble. I do love the uh, AFC South because it's just it's it's very uh, messy in a fun way because you got the Colts and Texans. As I said, they're playing on Thursday night. Great Thursday night game at six and four. The, the Titans hanging around at five and five, and then the Jaguars who. Not feeling good about the Jags at this point, but even they're on the periphery. They're two games out, and they're in last place. So I feel like there's going to be a lot of shifting and moving around Mm. in that division potential. I still like the Texans, even after today. I kind of, you know, my feeling, uh, because I was was with you, Mark, on it. uh, Wes didn't acknowledge it, but... Uh, I thought that the Texans were catching the Ravens at a really bad time. Sorry, and, Dan. No, it's fine. And um, and that it was not going to be a good Sunday for them. Uh, but I also think, <laughs> you know, throw it out. It feels like, not to go back to the Texans, but it feels like with three weeks running, there's a playoff contender that just looks outrageously terrible. It was the Packers a couple weeks ago. Last week it was the Saints. This week it's the Texans. I, I'm trying not to put too much stock into that uh, with the Texans and, and writing them off, but – uh, the division feels definitely a lot tighter now than it did uh, before kickoff I mean, today. The Texans have a different ceiling than the Colts and the Jaguars, but the Texans have showed that floor, not today's floor, but a concerning floor more than once. Right, and they've, they, the, this Colts team can say, okay, that's fine, but Thursday night football, we can sweep the Texans. So yeah. that, that oh, essentially yeah. would, be, seat, that would essentially be a, a two-game lead, and, and so you're right, that's a massive game. I also, while we were talking uh, got a message from the uh, Ryan Pace Defenders uh, Committee. It's a group that just likes, and then they said, they said to Loosely me. Loosely assembled. Yeah. They, What's their membership uh, base? It, it's pretty big. It's in Chicago. And they Ryan said, Pace and, they and said, you. Yeah. They said, hey, can anyone mention that the Jaguars uh, drafted Leonard Fournette, you know, when they needed a quarterback? Everyone's killing me when mm-hmm. I took Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes. You know, they, they take Fournette and Blake Bortles as their quarterback. 
Touche. Yeah. They kind of blew that in retrospect. <laughs> Good job by the Pace Committee. Pace Committee, uh, score a big dub. I mean, Bears I don't game. like that that's what Pace is doing during an actual Bears game that we're watching. He's not. Game. He's not part of that. Okay. Committee. Well, he's not. It's just a lot of fans. I also want to say, Wes, you are, since you met Lakeisha, your fashion sense has just gone through the roof, as we all know, famously. Uh, you say it's more <laughs> an awakening on your part. Other people, outsiders and critics say it's your wife that's dressing you and you don't deserve as much credit. Um, Would you like a true breakdown? Can I give yeah, you Let absolute? me finish my point, okay. and then I want you to take the floor on this. Okay. Uh, but I just want everyone, in, when you rewatch this game, if you're not watching it on Condense, to check out T.Y. Hilton's gigantic black diamond necklace that he's wearing on the sideline for four quarters. It, it, it makes a Mr. T necklace uh, look, you know, frail and, and tiny by comparison. Mm. Wes, the floor is yours. Well, let me, you know, I, I've, I've attempted to steer the narrative on this a little bit, as you all have. Uh, let me go with complete candor here. It's harder to dress when you're overweight and you don't really care. Okay. But I dropped like 75 pounds during cancer and I came back and clothes fit a little bit better. The cheater's diet, I call it. But but the pro- <laughs> I would say having Lakeisha, like just to hear a few words, like, no, I don't know about that, just during the week. And then you, after a while, you start putting a few things together just because you hear it. And then you feel confident enough to put your own clothing styles together. Well, now, what, is, now, what, is, what does that have to do with the aggressive rips in your upper thigh jeans tonight. I mean, that's how they're showing some nice. Can we stand up? Can we get the camera shot here? Wow. They're not really in the upper thigh. Well, there's one of these. Oh, yeah. But look up. Oh, yeah. What was that, Mark? Oh, yeah. Oh, this one here. (laughs) Not current, but you you got holes all over the place. Oh, yeah. Wes, can you just for camera one? Can you show them how high up it is on the thigh? Because it's aggressively. Camera one has never seen anything like this. I can promise you. Oh, yeah. This right here? <laughs> right there. I mean, that is, that's a little tease to the ladies. Um, Tang yourselves with the vapors. All right, let's, <laughs> let's move on. Alan that's why you have to watch the show now the and listen, Alan folks. pumps once, now looks right, fires a strike downfield, caught by John Brown at the 15 into the end zone. Touchdown! Touchdown, Buffalo! Oh. John Brown, touchdown, Bills, from 40 yards out. A great throw by Josh Allen. That was a laser throw by Josh Allen up the sideline to John Brown, and that is exactly what Bills fans wanted to see take that greg rosenthal john murphy and eric wood with the call for the bills radio network josh allen ran for a score and tied a career high with three touchdown passes take that greg rosenthal including that 40-yard connection to Smokey brown the bills romp 37 20 over the dolphins ending miami's two-game winning streak that completes a sweep of the home and home for the bills uh, who are in prime playoff position at seven and three with six games to play. Mark, it was nice to see the Bills actually hammer a team, which is what they did here. One thing that I specialize on, if you're from the United Kingdom and you've ever watched us on Sky Sports, is they have us on at the end of the first quarter of games. And I went on and defiantly announced that the big issue with the Bills is they cannot close drives. They're a field goal offense. There's a lot to be concerned about. And they're a looking like a sixth seed that's about to get bounced out of January play. They go on minutes later to seconds unleash, even. seconds later, unleash the first of four long 
many played touchdown drives that dropped a bomb on a Dolphins team that I also oversold as the best, one of the best coach teams in the league. So, you know, sometimes things don't go right in the way that you view sometimes a Sometimes we shouldn't early. talk so much. We should maybe yeah. just stay quiet. And I know some behind the glass would agree as well. But this <laughs> Dolphins team, they hang around. They have that ability. But they were overpowered today by... I would say I'm glad they used John Brown in that replay because he, John Brown is not someone that's going to get a lot of talking points and press because he's just not a dominant player. But week after week for the Bills, 137 yards today, nine receptions. He's been there for Josh Allen week after week. They went back to using Devin Singletary a bunch. I think that's an up and down thing. That I, I don't see him as someone that you can count on alone. They needed Frank Gore too. And the Dolphins offense... They ran into issues. I thought the, the Bills defense, which has some of their own uh, concerns, gave Ryan Fitzpatrick a lot of issues up at the line. Ryan Fitzpatrick looked a little bit beguiled at times. And this played out in the second half the way you'd expect. The better team won. I don't think the Bills are a 37 points a game team on by any stretch, but they flexed their muscles a little bit today. Greg, I would imagine this is uh, will be a humbling experience on Game Pass. <laughs> it, it'll be uh, good to see them put up some points. They, they had, you know, yes, it was the Dolphins, but they needed a game where they scored points, where they had touchdown drives, and more importantly, that where their pass rush showed up. I think t- to me that's been as concerning as in their their rush defense as anything going on with Josh Allen because you thought this defense was going to be special, and at least everything I read and the stats certainly support that their pass rush that they were getting after it. They need seven sacks. John Brown, who has been at times one of the best deep receivers in the NFL, on pace for 90 catches and 1,300 yards, playing with a quarterback who cannot complete a deep pass. Maybe he'll get hot. You know, maybe Josh Allen get hot. Maybe he's, he's John Brown should have been the yeah. Eagles' target, not Deshaun Jackson. Can we talk about way. Frank Gore? <laughs> yeah. Oh, oof. It's wow. now keeps been, getting worse. It's now been Greg. over a month since he's averaged like over 2.5 yards per carry. Well, in fairness, he only gets the ball seemingly in third and one and fourth and one situations, and he always like gets stacked one boxes. Yard. It's kind of true. That old trope. It's true. It's true. Have you watched the last couple hey, weeks? Hey, you're allowed to break through. Drag a few. He with gets you. that one. That's how you average one or two yards per carry. Third and they one. They stack convert. the box. That means there's no safety. You can just keep cruising. Your defense system is weakening, Greg. <laughs> so many wrote off Frank Gore. Only three and a half years too early. Right. Exactly. Frank Gore's playing a contributing role to a seven and three football team in the year 2019. Give me a break. The inconvenient oof. <laughs> what I call him. No, I have respect for Frank. Everybody's got respect for Frank. I mean, yeah. he's going to Canton. Is he? He is. I think he will. Sounds like a juicy off-season topic. <laughs> we'll get there in the off-season. All right, then. Let's move on. This is for all the money. Allen, shotgun, snap. It's going to fade right. And That's the fourth shot. And the Minnesota Vikings have beaten the Denver Broncos as the Vikings flood the field. They head into the bye with positivity. And they beat the Denver Broncos 27-23. Paint the picture, Paul Allen with Pete Bursich. I think Bursich just went, that's a push-off. And Allen did all the heavy lifting there. Vikings Radio Network. The Vikings wiped away a 20-zip halftime deficit with touchdowns on each of their first four drives in the second half. I don't 
then held off the Broncos by forcing three straight incomplete passes in the end zone over the last 10 seconds. You heard the last one there. They preserve a 27-23 win. Wes, a comeback of this caliber is always going to be a team effort, but come on now. Kirk Cousins led the way, baby. Check that box. Well, he's running out of dragons to slay here with last week beating a winning team on the road in prime time. And in this week, let's let's talk about the things that he accomplished in this game. They were down 20 to nothing at halftime. Teams trailing by 20 or more points at halftime were 0 and 99 over the last 5 seasons mm-hmm. before that. The Vikings are the first team in 40 years to score on every second half possession and win after trailing by 20 points at halftime. Whoa. They are doing some things, and this isn't a day where Dalvin Cook, all-pro candidate, stuffed. Could not go anywhere on the ground. Adam Thielen, out of the game, not playing. And Stephon Diggs, not a target officially in the first half. Hmm. This all happened in the second half, and and let's compliment Cortland Sutton. Remember the 1980s wrestling where you'd have, I guess it's still in wrestling now, the curtain jerker? Sure. He takes control Barry of the Horowitz. match. You know, give him six minutes to kind of work the guy <laughs> yep. around. And then you know he's going to lose. Cortland Sutton was giving forearm shivers, kicking him in the chest, a uh, little pile driver action, just taking care of the entire Viking secondary, specifically Xavier Rhodes. Cortland Sutton is a man among boys and would not – I would not have any problem with anybody putting him as the second all-pro behind Michael Thomas. Woo-wee! He, every week against good corners, he is making unbelievable catches. And the Broncos emptied out – this was the old kitchen sink game. Empty out your bag of trick plays, your gadget plays, and they did in this game. And that's how – that's part of the reason why they got this lead, 20 to nothing, and then they ran out of trick plays in I mean, the second half. Think about this day for the Broncos franchise. It starts with a, a report from CBS that – the locker room is a little bit down on the Vic Fangio experience that his gruff demeanor has led to some general unhappiness behind the scenes. And then you have what could be kind of not season, sa- season saving because the season's kind of gone already, but something that would really make you feel good going into Minnesota and shocking a very good Vikings team. And then it, for it to end with losing your fourth game of the season, uh, essentially in the final seconds uh, in the fourth quarter, it has just been that kind of year for the Broncos. And uh, it will be very interesting to see what, what happens with them going forward. They have some players to build around. And Alexander Johnson, this guy that they put in their starting lineup at the end of September at linebacker and has transformed their defense, had another big game today. Shelby Harris had a big game for them in the first half. They have some good things going for them, but you're right. It's just a series of heartbreaking close losses. I mean, they, no one no one loses a, a lead like the Broncos. It, but the crazy thing here was how little margin for error Cousins had. This is not a normal 20-point comeback or or two touchdown comeback. Not only did they score every possession, they had touchdowns on all four possessions. And you figure, okay, well, the Broncos, you know, offense let them back in it. Not really. The Broncos offense only had four drives. They had a seven-minute field goal drive. Mm-hmm. They, had a, they had two other drives and that included a missed field goal. They almost scored to win the game at the end. The Broncos actually possessed the ball for over 17 minutes in the second half. It was just the Vikings, every time they got the ball, they scored a touchdown as fast as they possibly could and put it back on them. That's pretty impressive. You look at the Vic Fangio resume, it also includes a pretty disastrous oh, second half no. against the Jaguars. Yes, it does. A I lot just, of disastrous second halves. Right, yeah, this is really, yeah, four of them. I, and I know Brandon yeah. Allen is probably, you know, you're, you're holding 
you're holding the the spot here for them for John Elway to go find go draft another quarterback that's well, going to underwhelm Locke's us. Drew going to play soon. I would have and to Tr- imagine. And Drew Locke. I'm not sure what what the overall. I don't know what's going on. What there. the scope is there, but Brandon Allen's mobility a couple games in a row because he did it against Cleveland too and did it today. He had a big third down scramble that that bought them time. I know they lost the game, but. I, and it's not a kill. I'm not killing Joe He's Flacco scrappy. here. He just, I think he gives this some another little element to their offense. I agree. I think that he is a better fit for that offensive line than Joe Flacco was. This game was is almost like the microcosm of this entire Viking season in one game. You know, they go, you, they have the early struggles, and you had one moment where you could see Stefan Diggs was clearly upset on a play that yes. Kirk Cousins had a free play, but instead of going down the field, he you know, threw it to the fullback, which is like the most Kirk Cousins thing ever on a free play. Yeah, let's just get two yards. Uh, but then that squeaky wheel got the grease because Diggs had a long touchdown on one of their quick drives uh, later in the game. He also had a 34-yard play called back on a ticky-tack holding penalty. He could have had over 180 Diggs or 150 awesome. yards in this game. Wes, you said that Mr. Cousins is running out of dragons to slay. I got one for you. All right. I have it written down. Win a playoff game before 32nd birthday. That's fair. He's got more to do to prove himself as a true franchise leading quarterback. Go win this but. division, so you put yourself in a in a chance to uh, you know go far in the playoffs. I, I love that Cousins narrative. He has played well enough to get everyone off his back. I think I, I agree with you. To on stop that. being like the Twitter go to joke. The it does. Board. It does feel like people are off his back at this at least for now. And it's only one game. Yeah. Yeah. I hear you. But yeah. prime time. Had they lost today, that would not have been the case at all. Uh, let us move on. I want to talk about a team that Garner knows how to blow a game. At the 31. Atlanta releases late on the Gunners. Pilardi right down the seam. Barner backtracks to the 20. Kenyon 25. Reroutes 30. 35. Barner 45. 50. Has a block on the perimeter. He's only got the putter to beat. Pilardi is cut down and Barner scores. Touchdown Kenyon Barner and it is 77 yards. How sweet must that taste to Kenyon Barner who used to play here and this is as pretty a turn return as you're ever going to see. Just a weaving unbelievable return by Barner with a vision, got a few blocks, puts it in the end zone. Oh, yeah, the Kenyon Barner revenge game. West Durham and David Archer with the call. I feel like we're not seeing as many punt returns for touchdowns. No, that was one of the best, if not the best all year. The Falcons are suddenly soaring high above the mountains. Kenyon Barner returned a punt 78 yards. Well, if you sit next to Greg, you would feel that way, too. Okay, high above the mountains is illustrious, but... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> he returned that 78 yards. Just one of many highlights for the Falcons. Thank God this wasn't 28-3. We don't like that number in Atlanta. 29-3 win over the Panthers in Charlotte. Greg, makes sense of this for me. I mean, you guys have been making fun of me, enjoying a team, you know, changing what everyone said about them, that they had given up on their coach, that they were unwatchable. Like, we, we all just kind of took them for jokes, and they've come out and they've beaten the hell out of – two teams with winning records, the Saints and the Panthers on the road in back-to-back weeks, and it starts because you got a professional quarterback. On the first third down of the entire game, Matt Ryan sees exactly where the blitz is coming from with Ron Rivera. Hits a slant to Calvin Ridley. His slants to Julio Jones and, and Calvin Ridley are as pretty 
a times play as, as any in football. And then he had three beautiful throws in this game downfield, one to Julio Jones and two to Ridley, where the pressure is coming on him. He waits to the last second. He throws that high arcing pass, and it, it gets down beautifully into his receiver's hands. And that was one of many reasons. They dominated oh, yeah, I mean, in every phase, but he was awesome, and he's killed Ron Rivera's Panthers every time he plays them. I mean, anybody that's watched this Falcons team, and it's been a tough season on balance, knows that Matt Ryan's never been the problem. What I'm just trying to figure out still now is for eight games or whatever, arguably the worst defense in the league, complete lack of discipline, blown assignments, just getting destroyed week after week. And now against the last two weeks, as you said, against two playoff-level teams, they've allowed four field goals and no touchdowns. They're looking pretty hungry, aren't they? They're looking younger as hell. Raheem Morris gets yeah, the staffing tweak, apparently. I mean, some of that went... You know, apparently took place before the bye even. But, the, yeah, the stats are are just rare. They had four turnovers forced in the first nine games of the season. They had four today. They had seven sacks in the first eight games of the Disney season. Movie. They have 11 in the last two weeks. Desmond Trufant returned today and played really well. I don't think this is a playoff-level team. I think this— Oh, yeah, you do. The Panthers. No, no, the Panthers. Oh. Oh, of course the Falcons are. <laughs> they're running through this NFC South. They, they have five straight games there in the division, go. and they're going to win all five. What's their record? They're 3-7, and seven, so they're in trouble. you got to win out and get some help. They're, a lot of help. Defense is— <laughs> I, I was thinking about this, though. Like watching, the East Coast falling into the sea. That would help. <laughs> like, defense is—there's something strange in the alchemy. A lot of it's about energy, right? And you could just right. watch the Falcons the last two weeks, and they have played with incredible energy and athleticism and the speed that you know you think of when they put this team together. But you can, and you could tell that performance last week against the Saints, the energy was so off the charts, and they were having so much fun that it did seem to be the type of game that would either be our Super Bowl and then they go back to normal, or the start of maybe. A big change. How the only problem here, Greg? The the only reason why I don't. It seems kind of pointless to really dig into the Falcons. When you lose seven out of eight to start the season, it's already too late. Well, yeah, it is. But I I, I want to watch them. At least they'll be more watchable. If I'm a Falcons fan, I'm going, okay, Raheem Morris has been a defensive coach his whole career, made his name that way, and you had him stuck coaching wide receivers for eight games. Now he fixed your defense. Isn't that on the head coach mm, for not right. having the coaches in That's the right spot? That's a strange assignment. Eric Mangini did something like that too. But <laughs> right, it's- yeah. It's all brick on early downs. Raheem Morris on third downs. It, it's a lot. And yeah, I don't think Dan Quinn's going to save his job almost no matter what happens. But what this did was it pointed out that the Panthers, to me, are not a playoff team in a deep NFC. Because what do they have that's special? This is not a special Ron Rivera defense. And I think that that goes back to whether they keep Rivera or not. It's just an okay Ron Rivera defense. It's fine. Is Kyle Allen morphing into Trevor Simeon before our eyes? Kyle Allen had four interceptions today. And they, they were almost all just awful. Is it like really, gr- really tough? Twitter was, on one was of them, dragging that. Yeah, on one of gentleman. them, Trufant made, if you watch the replay, made an incredible play that you know, I give him a little credit. But the other three were just terrible. And the rest of the game, you kind of moved the ball. Allen did and made some nice plays. But the, the interceptions were brutal. Right, Christian McCaffrey, nine yards away from 200 on the day. Wow. But I'm assuming a lot of that came because it's 11-121 through the air. Screen pass action when the team is down and right. out. It was a lot of in the catch-up mode. But no, even at halftime when it was, the game, you know, he just gets these quiet 12-yard Catches and ten yard runs, but and we you can't we you talked, can't make an offense out of that. You can't make an MVP out of that. We talked about it downstairs, Greg and I did that. The problem with what makes it almost impossible to win MVP 
as running back is you can't really control the game. You can't, what a quarterback, it's beyond, you talk about the narrative and Mark all the time with that, but it's also like the quarterback's in control of the game in a way the running back never can be uh, unless it's, you know, Adrian Peterson, 2012 or whatever, like those special, special seasons. He's got to have 29 touches and three touchdowns, and then they win the game by... I mean, he's got know. a chance to break the all-time record for yards in a season, which is a pretty wild record, you know, yards from scrimmage. He's still... I think he's a little behind pace, but... That's a rough awesome. turning point for the Panthers. They... It's over. Let's move on. Then let's move on. Young Way Koo. Young Way Koo gets it done again. I thought it was over him. And Winston throws it right to the Saints. Coming back, Marcus Williams, the 30, the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Marcus Williams. They're not going to come a lot easier than that, Deuce. Jameis Winston drops back to throw, sails it about 10 yards over the head of Mike (laughs) Evans, and Marcus Williams brings it back for a score. Marcus Williams with his fourth interception of the season. Uh, you got to love the dependability of Jameis Winston. Zach Strife, Deuce McAllister, Saints Radio Network. Marcus Williams removed any semblance of drama from the proceedings on Sunday in Tampa, intercepting Jameis Winston 55 yards through the house. Clinching score, Saints 34-17 win over the Bucks. West, Drew Brees threw three touchdowns in this game. The Saints... Um, the game maybe got a little closer than they wanted, but this on balance was a no- nice bounce back after last week's meltdown. Yeah, I think we can look back at that game against the Falcons, who are now the best team in the NFC South, according to Greg Rosenthal, <laughs> and, and say that was just a speed bump, that they came right back. And and we've said that, you know, the first half of last year, Drew Brees was the MVP. Starting with Thanksgiving of last year, Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas are the MVPs of this offense. Kamara comes back, and he's the he's the focal point again, whereas last week in his first game back from injury, he was almost an afterthought. He makes this offense go, and he was a huge difference early in the game. His numbers don't look spectacular, but he was the one doing the work early. Michael Thomas cannot be stopped. He was, he was incredible. And Jared Cook had another big play. His stat line doesn't look great, but it, I think Jared Cook is coming on as that third option for them. And, you know, Drew Brees, a few more sideline creepers. The arm strength just isn't there, but he does enough, even without the arm strength, that this this team can still be a Super Bowl contender. Can you get through the NFC playoffs with Drew Brees at this point? I wonder that. I don't don't know. I don't know. I just wonder that. I I want to see more, first of all, just because he's barely played this year. I mean, this is, what, four games? I want to see their offense with him more. They, as long as they're functional. I mean, it's not like their passing game has been poor. Last week was a strange game with a lot of penalties and every you know aspect of their team struggling. I, I think the level of concern, at least for me, for Drew Brees is not like that high. I don't think he's like a detriment to their team. Come on. No, I agree with that. I think, but he's just not... I don't know. If they're playing against a Russell Wilson, do I trust Drew Brees at this point? To keep up with Russell Wilson, I don't know about that. You don't think he's a guy who can keep up in a shootout? I think in his building, maybe. I guess it depends. How, on how the many opponent, sc- how many bubble screens and you know, I don't know. I think this is, can you run? This is about as deep a race for the buys in a conference that I can remember. Break it down, Greg. Well, it, at this point, you have the Seahawks, the 49ers, the Saints, the Vikings, and the Packers, and all of them have eight wins, right? I, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, Vikings, I guess, have three losses of that group, but that that's a pretty deep group of teams that all have a chance for the one seed 
Or, you know, you fall to five. That's a big difference. For the Saints, they have a huge advantage over the rest of that group because you can give them the NFC South right now. They're three games up. I don't think you're going to lose that. I know it's redundant, and so I'll keep it quick. But the Jameis Winston experience, I feel like he legit cost them five games a season with his mistakes alone. You know, we're killing Kyle Allen for throwing four picks, as we should. But this happens... Over and over. How it's many like, four interception days did he have? He leads the league in these pick sixes. I mean, this is killing you. He's got 18 interceptions this year, the most through 10 games in a season since Jay Cutler a decade ago. On the other hand, you watch this game. He was hit 12 times by the Saints defense. Um, the The Buccaneers had their fewest rushing attempts in the 44-year franchise history. Six for 13 by their running backs. Well, <laughs> they ran the ball only eight times today total. Um and Jameis had some plays where the offensive line blocked fine. He had plenty of time, and he just threw worm burners. I mean, on the other hand, the interceptions, some of them were fluky. So, I mean, but I think that's what interceptions are. When you throw enough of them, you're going to have every different kind imaginable. The Winston eras come to an end, I think, naturally. You know, they didn't give him the extension. They let him play on the fifth-year option, and it's just – run its natural course. I mean, And the it, Bucks makes so much sense as one of the teams is, uh, that will get one of these veteran quarterbacks. They uh, That just seems like it seems, with Bruce Arians there, he's going to want his Carson Palmer-esque veteran that he could bring in. I, I just see them as being a natural team rather than going with a, a rookie. It could happen. I'm still but. just scratching my head about them giving their GM who, you know, drafted Winston his, an extension before <laughs> the season started. Well, Bruce Arians took the job because of Jameis Winston. He thought that this guy was a franchise quarterback. And the NFC South, you know, we'll see. Drew Brees will probably come back, although you never know at this point. He's over 40. Uh, Matt Ryan's not going anywhere in Atlanta. But are the Panthers sure that they were still going to just, as speculation goes, let Cam Newton walk? Is Kyle Allen the guy you're going to trust? Or are they another team that will take one of these veteran quarterbacks that are going to be floating around? It could be a very different-looking division with some familiar faces. I'm not comfortable with the way we left the Drew Brees conversation. I don't okay, think, well. Greg, I don't think you guys are going to watch this and say, oh, he's a problem. He's an issue. This was an awful game for him. I'm just saying I don't trust where his arm is right now. I don't okay? think it's off this game either. It's right. The you overall, have a general you've been creeping sense like of this. dread around Brees. Not as like no. a being washed up, but maybe not being a, a true difference maker like he used to be. I wouldn't say fair? dread. It's just more that you can tell – when you used to watch something special, which the Saints offense reliably was, and now I just don't see it as special. I see it as more limited. All right. Well Michael, Michael Thomas, let's just – He's special. Let's just mention it. He's up to 96 catches. You know, we're a week and a half away from Thanksgiving. <laughs> he has 96 catches for 1,100 and almost 50 yards right now. I mean, his careful, numbers Michael. are going to be he, – he's on pace, by he the way. He seems like he be careful, Michael. Week. It's It's outrageous. And every team facing them knows that Michael Thomas is basically their only receiver. What's the record? One forty-three. I no, it's it's less than that, isn't it? One forty-three. One forty-two. Let's just stay right. He's there. on pace to shatter. I'm just right not now. sure that's why those events <laughs> occurred. That's all I'll say. But that feels like a perfect spot to land. Let's move on. Oh, before we move on, I, uh, breaking news. We have a trade. We have a trade in our picks draft. Uh, Mark Sessler sends Jets Redskins to the old Zeuser in exchange for this game you're about to get a highlight from. So a little bottom of the draft, sixth rounder goes back, you know, seventh rounder, and, and maybe to like put a, it nice a punter in return, something like that. 
Let's hit it. <laughs> Here's your third down from the three-yard line. Carr's going to throw it. Steps up. Can't find anybody open. He's going to run with it. Stay on his feet. He's got open dive in zone. Touchdown, Raiders. What a move by Derek Carr. And second rushing touchdown ever. Oh, my. He went airborne. Everybody in the Raider front office holding their breath now when your quarterback goes up in the air like that. We need that dude. And Derek showed great awareness. You don't normally see this out of him taking off like that, but he wanted that touchdown so bad that he decided to go up on the one with nobody under him. I got a good man. He did the helicopter, baby. (laughs) (laughs) That's Brent Musburger, of course. I just looked it up. 80 years old. Turned 80 in May. That dude is having fun. He moved to the desert, and he's having some fun. Okay? As he should. I mean, 80-year-olds, they like the desert. They like going out there. They like going to Florida. They like going to, the, you know, Palm Springs. Florida, not a desert. Just throwing that out there. But no, I, I'm saying, like, okay. different places they like to go. Okay. The Florida, the oh. desert. It's very moist there. Feels like some generalizing. <laughs> <laughs> Derek Carr. You heard it. Rushed for a touchdown. Threw for another. Just enough production for the Raiders to get by the still winless Bungles. 17-10. Mark, the Raiders move to 6-4. and four, And are a Chiefs loss away on Monday night from first place in the AFC West. Hubba hubba. Well, you can't, you looked over after we made this trade a number of times and asked, you know, what's going on with that uh, Raiders-Bengals game over there? It doesn't look too intriguing, too interesting, not exactly right. a barn burner. And you're right, it wasn't. But if you're the Oakland Raiders and you're trying to recreate everything and you've got a really young team, you're going to have to win a couple games like this. And the Bengals played... I thought desperate football. In the, in the, it was one of the first games I thought where they were like refusing to go away. They kept hanging around, and a Josh Jackson fumble and a Derek Carr interception helped them to do that. But the difference in this one, I thought, was, and it shouldn't be a surprise with Cincinnati's rather hideous offensive line, Max Crosby, four sacks. What? Five on the day for the Raiders, and that's been over Fourth the past two games a consistent a consistent thing for them, and that's good. And they really also, down the stretch, it was Darren Waller, it's Hunter Renfro, it's Tyrell Williams, and two of those guys are rookies. They have the most productive rookie class in the NFL in terms of receiving yards, rushing yards, and touchdowns, and it shows up every week. And so there you go. Mike Mayock did, what, 10 years for NFL Network, and everyone was like, oh, it's a splashy hire. but It's easy on TV. Yeah, it's it's different now that you're going to be responsible for these players. It could not have gone any better. It really could not have gone better. I'd say that some teams should say, grab Chris Wessling as a GM, because there's a a high (laughs) parallel Or even better, take Daniel Jeremiah off our hands. And they've tried. Know. The Bucks tried before they gave that Maybe job to time. Jason Light. Maybe it's time for a new challenge. <laughs> Don't hire Jeremiah. Chris Wessling. Just offer him a lot of money. Leverage Ooh. that baby. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as Musburger says, baby, leverage it. It's weird because Crosby is clearly better as a rookie, as a fourth round pick, than Cleveland Furl is. You know, the number four overall pick. Furl's really struggled. What, two and a half sacks last week. Until last week, uh, you know, had had a better game. But it was really telling Paul Gunther, their coordinator, and this was a month ago, this was during the London game, more than a month ago, they asked him, you know, how are you do, You know, how are you holding up? Not a lot of talent on this defense. And he said, yeah, we don't have any pro bowlers right now, but we've got a future one, and that's Max Crosby. And it's pretty interesting that five games into Crosby's career, he's saying, that's the guy we're building around, a fourth-round demon who just shows mm. up every game. 
Are we to the point now? I see Derek Carr went 25 of 29. No more caveats? No more reservations? We just all believe that Derek Carr is... From well, now on, he's they're in good he, hands at quarterback. He's, he's efficient in this offense, but I wouldn't go that far. Is he kind of like what Jar- Jared Goff was before this season? Like a decent to good quarterback in a great offense for him? I think that's fair, though. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm with Greg, though, where I'm not ready to... I want to still see more, but he opened 11 of 11. At one point, he was 14 for 14 after they had scored another touchdown. He ran one in, and he's not making killer mistakes, and I think he's healthy. He wasn't. He has been through a lot on the injury front. He had a back injury, you know, which we we never know what that feels like right. with gigantic people chasing you and tackling to the ground. Probably not great. Little little concerning, though. This this team, the Raiders. analysis. <laughs> we, we were excited to watch them because they've been so efficient on offense. 5.1 yards per play last week was one of their worst offensive games against the Chargers, and then 17 points against the Bengals. They've come back to earth a little bit on offense. Yeah, that's true. Uh, uh, Dr. Chow is going to be nervous, Mark, after that breakdown you just said. Coming for his corner? Coming for the corner. The Chow corner. Like I said, I, I, I call him all the time. He does not necessarily answer the phone. He's on the phone with Evan Silva. I know. Well, so that, you know, he's got that old rotary phone that's just got a busy signal. Real quick, was Ryan Finley as bad as his numbers? I guess, you know, it's like I'm the last person that should comment on, like, benching Andy Dalton at this point, but I don't understand what the overall <laughs> mission is. I just don't get what the mission is because... Neither it, does you, anybody in Cincinnati. There's, there's just not much that you're going to get from this type of player that's any different than a reduced version of Andy Dalton Pretty- to some degree. We have our road to greatness segment. We should have a mission to nowhere statement uh, segment with the, just the Bengals every week. I don't know if it's a help to their head coach either. So, All right, let's close it out with the other side of that trade. Blockbuster in the newsroom. Darnold in the shotgun belt to his right. Griffin tight right. Three receivers left. Darnold back to throw. Looks left. Has time. Fires one down the left sideline for Crowder. He's got it. Front left pylon. And he's in. That's a jet touchdown. Jamison Crowder comes back to his old team. And for the third straight game, Crowder's able to score. Sam Darnold with his fourth touchdown pass of the game. That's a career high. And the Jets extend their lead. Bob was choosing. With the call for the Jets Radio Network, Sam Darnold slaying ghosts in D.C. Four touchdown passes, including that pretty 29-yarder. Some really nice touch on some of his passes you guys will see, or you won't, depending on if you watch this game. Uh, On the old game pass, Jets 34-17 win over the moribund Washington Redskins. Two wins in a row for the Jets who blew out an opponent three days after Christopher Johnson publicly announced that Adam Gase wouldn't be one and done in Gotham. And this is what Gase has. Like I said on Thursday, I didn't put too much stock into Johnson's statement that Gase will definitely be back in 2020 because what if they completely go in the tank uh, for the rest of the season? It's going to be a much harder call and a much harder sell to your fan base uh, in that situation. But, you know, after a game like today, you start to think, okay, Maybe they can go into the offseason with a little bit of hope and excitement because if you recall last December, Darnold's hot finish is part of the reason why there was a lot of uh, expectations around the Jets entering this season. And for the second straight week, he's really um, he's really showing some growth and progress. And he had one more turnover today. 
uh, which was a bad interception. Uh, so it wasn't a perfect game, but you take that out of the mix and he really has kind of recovered from that really one-two punch. Well, it was one-two-three punch. You count the mono and then the game against the Patriots, the ghost game, and then uh, ja- the Jags game uh, back-to-back where he just was having trouble protecting the ball, wasn't getting any um, he wasn't getting any help from his offensive line, uh, but he seems to be playing with some confidence, and that's really good to see. So Darnold was very good in this game, and uh, the Redskins are very, very bad. This is a very bad <laughs> how Washington did, team. How did Haskins look? Haskins, I mean, he, I'll give him credit for this. He had one very pretty deep ball that showed um, his arm strength. That He's went, got all the arm you want. Yeah, it, and it went for a completion, but it got called back on a holding penalty. In the fourth quarter, uh, they scored two touchdowns in garbage time. It was up to 34-3 before they scored. But they hadn't scored a touchdown in 16 quarters. uh, 16 quarters before those two garbage time scores. In general, um, and this is never a popular sentiment in this room, and I understand that he's not maybe a guy that you ever want to root for, but Greg Greg Williams has done a really good job uh, with his Jets defense. They're one of the best teams in the league against the run. And they have such a talent deficiency in their secondary, and yet on a near you know weekly basis they are competitive on defense, and they I think confused Haskins quite a bit in this game. So Haskins, yeah, I mean that's good to hear. I don't care who cares about the Patriots. I'm sick of the Patriots winning and upsetting me. Just give me my favorite team winning, and I'm a okay on a Sunday. They're they're on a winning streak right now. Are you okay, Greg? I'm all right. Give a give a hack. Give a good hack. I think you can see why I traded this game away, and it even happened minutes into the game, because this is your time to shine, Dan, and I'm glad that they went your way today. I, Darnold threw an awesome pass right out of the gate to Daniel Brown, their tight end. I Two things I found quizzical. One, when they, they ran the ball to Le'Veon Bell on third and eleven. Why? There's just no reason to do that in the situation they were in. Secondly, I mean, though... They were up 34-3 in the fourth quarter. Secondly, though, explain to me, unless I saw this wrong, why is Dowell Loggins carrying around the challenge flags for Adam Gase? Been doing that, that all year. Yeah, he does I know, that. but explain to me what the, what's the You're gonna upside You're going to have to ask Gase. That. He said he likes to have someone else holding it. That's all I can. So he could that say that to me feels like it. sort of like part of the little quirks to Adam Gase that yeah. like because he, he did it in Miami too. The whole the whole time he was a Dolphins coach, he never helped, he carried his own. Uh, like quasi, he knows more than I do, but it, it just seems like a like a middleman, unnecessary middleman. Do you scenario, want to go back to that is, third and eleven draw in the second? No, part? no, no, I do not. But it, <laughs> this is well, no, it was it was it was a def- it was by just, the fourth quarter. It was a total hot mess. They, they don't need to do that. No, I mean, was that was a bad call. Quarter? I thought it was earlier than that. It, it was in the second quarter. It was in the second quarter. quarter. Oh, okay. there was, the game was not okay. over at that point. My, point. my point is, it, it's been such a... Before entering last week, the Jets were averaging 12 points a game on offense. There is some real growth you throw out. That was a bad play call. But there's been some real growth the last two weeks. And that's what that's what you need. You need to see positivity on that offense. But uh, And on the other side, this was a moment that... The Washington Post wrote about and thought it was the lowest moment that the Redskins have hit yet. Thomas Boswell, who's kind of you that's know, the, saying something. The and, and I get it though. It, it's half the stadium's half empty. There was a chant at one team at one time to sell the team, but it just sort of died out because there's 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 no one there. Right. There were tickets available in the lower bowl, which our friend Will Blackman you know, tweeted out before the game, for like 10, 15 bucks in 12th row NFL game, and no, no one's going to it. And this is one of the 
the franchises in the NFL. This is a team that won three Super Bowls that had a, a, a tradition that goes, you know, back and it hasn't all, it's been ugly a lot of the time too, if you go, go way back with it, but they have a, a long tradition and they're, they're, they're dying in Washington. I mean, that city has given up on them. They are, they're behind, you know, they're the fourth or fifth team in Washington right now. Forget Which is about crazy it. to think about, A, who some of the other art teams are there, but who, you know, that, the Redskins, when you talk about the fan bases that have been through a lot of pain, Dan, like the Redskins yes. need to be, their fans have been through so much. It's insane. It, Lions, it's Redskins, a lot worse. Browns, Jets, the Redskins are right Bengals. there. It's gotten a lot worse, I feel like, in the last several years, where it's, the, the, the hope is just starting to just, dissipate for them. I- right now, I feel like they, they are at their lowest point. There was a, a little story, you know, it, it, within that column, he mentions how, you know, the kick returner at one point turns around, he tries to get the fans to get up, and they just ignore him, and then eventually like three people stand up, and that's that's where they're at. It's been that, a long time. Wild. I mean, it's been since RG3's knee injury. It's just been, well, they got to the playoffs once with Cousins. Too, They've right? made the playoffs a couple times this century, but I would put them, and I, and I think the win-loss record would be there, uh, among the worst teams certainly since the turn Gotta of the be. century. With, with a low hope quotient because of who's running the team right now. Right, and you haven't seen enough. Haskins has only started three games, but it's been pretty shaky. Wes, you're a historian. You'll want to know this. Jamal Adams became only the second defensive back in the past 10 years to record three sacks in a game. Wow, I saw that he has the same number of sacks as Aaron Donald this year. I mean, he's got six. He can break the all-time records for defensive back. General pro list? Eight. Jamal? He was not, but that was before... Before they dangled him in the trade talks and became Superman. Before last week when he stuffed the box score and today having three exploded. All right. uh, That's that for that game. Let us now get into it to Sunday night. And now Goff wants to go no huddle. From the five, it's first and goal. With Malcolm Brown behind him, they give to Brown straight ahead. He charges in for six. Touchdown, L.A. 3.31 to go in regulation. The Rams take it back to a two-score lead. Even our old buddy, J.B. Long, seems just relieved that Malcolm Brown found that end zone to put some distance between the Rams and the lowly Chicago Bears. Yes, a 17-7 win for the home team uh, at the Los Angeles Memorial Coliseum. A game that Mark Sessler will be remembered. Well, I don't know if it will be remembered. It's a W for the Rams, and they move on. Uh, and for the Bears, that what people will be talking about with three minutes to play, Chase Daniel entered, Mitch Trubisky exited officially. It was listed as a hip injury, uh, but that's only officially is this the beginning of the end? That's that's the talking point for a lot of people coming out of Sunday Night Football. And the beginning of the end for Mitch Trubisky has been beginning for a while. I don't think that something suddenly turned tonight because it wasn't like a low-point Mitch Trubisky game in general. The offense is plagued with issues. They have not had a running game around him for weeks and weeks. There are drops happening by wide receivers. The environment around Mitch Trubisky is not optimal. And I, I do, if, if for some reason we found out the injury is not nearly as serious as, as, or at all, the timing of the switch is something that just creates a week's worth of questions for your team. When you didn't insert the, you didn't insert a first round quarterback that's been on the bench, you inserted 
Chase Daniel, who is not going to hold anyone off. So it just creates issues for the and Bears. Who, we'll see. Who gets benched with three minutes to play? That's what I mean. The timing like, is... Oh, no. right. it would have, the benching would have happened earlier if the Rams had gotten off the field. Right, I think earlier. the context is... Mitch Trubisky, and look, I don't doubt that he's playing through an injury. They, they said he, he was on some level. But the reality is, in his previous five drives, three and out, three and out, one first down, then a punt, three and out. When they punted the ball, they had been going back and forth punt fest. It's a three-point game. There's eight minutes to go. You assume that's when he makes the decision to make a change. So that's thinking, I can go win this game. Our season is hanging on a thread, and I trust Chase Daniel more right now than Mitchell Trubisky. Now, the Bears' defense, it should be mentioned, does what they've done in some big spots this year, which is give up a touchdown drive at the absolute worst time. You can't kill them because they force punts, they forced two takeaways in the first quarter, and the offense didn't do anything. But it's it's kind of a script we've seen for a while, and I've been waiting to see Chase Daniel for a while because I think they're just saying this is not our guy, Trubisky. What a deflating season for that organization. I think the most deflating season of any organization. To go from Super Bowl contender, you give up the farm from for Khalil Mack, you have the coach of the year, a finalist for executive of the year, and now 10 months later... You might have to start all over at quarterback. You might have to start all over at coach. You might have to start all over at GM. And the Raiders own your first round pick. Ooh, forgot about Which that. Which makes oh, them we that's a good point, Wes. And I was I talked about uh earlier about which teams in the NFC South perhaps would be um teams you look at that might get one of these many veteran quarterbacks on the market. The Bears, especially without a first-round pick, they might be looking for a stopgap, an Andy Dalton type player or Andy Dalton himself. Who knows? But it's now becoming increasingly clear. And we're doing this, obviously, Sunday night, 20 minutes after the guy went to the bench. So we'll get a clear picture of what's going on around that team. But just from where we are now, it certainly seems like this is the first real tangible step towards a separation of Trubisky and the Bears. And give the Rams defense credit. They did did what you need to do against a bad offense, and that's just totally hold them down because the Rams' offense wasn't much better for most of the game, but Goff and Gurley made enough plays in this game. Goff had about two or three nice throws. He only had six total in the first half, and you got the win. If you're a Rams, like you don't care how you're getting wins these days. They are in the mix, and I, I don't totally rule them out because their defense is good, and if you were a total homer, you could say the O-line made some big steps today. They blocked well for Todd Gurley and they protected well for Jared Goff. You just haven't seen any games like that uh, out of the Rams. Uh, but it, it, that's like picking I, the I, most positive things in a pretty rough I just say you game. don't rest for long. I mean, we were looking at the schedule coming into this recap here. Ravens next week, if you're the Rams, at the Cardinals, which is no, this is not last year and it's not week three. This is not an easy team to knock out. Seahawks, Cowboys, 49ers, and the Cardinals again. If the Rams are, are even alive for a playoff berth in Week 17, the negative things that I feel about them right now will have washed away because they will have earned that big time. Their, their, go ahead, Wes. Their defense has not allowed more than 10 points in a game in over five weeks. It's a really good defense. And they have one of their best run defenses in the history of their franchise. It's the best Wade Phillips defense in the three years. It's, it's, it's ironic because it's coming with, obviously, the worst offense. But it's crazy to look at the Bears' box score, though. They ran 74 plays. Not one of them went for 20 yards. 
That's tough to do in the NFL. Wow. 74 plays. They, they held the ball quite a bit. And and this was a typical Trubisky game in that, it, okay, it wasn't his worst game, but he was indecisive. There were throws in the first half where he's always a beat late. You know, he has guys open, and he's just kind of a beat late. He has to see it, and then the play isn't there anymore, and Jalen Ramsey especially closed. One, one quick thing this before we fly off on the Rams' defense. I get they are playing well. That 10-point that thing happened against the Bengals, Steelers, yep. and Bears. I, it's just you couldn't line up a better option for that to happen. Todd Gurley nearly gets his first 100-yard game. I was, my big takeaway, if you're looking for positives beyond the defense for the Rams, is a killer. I mean, a team that really needed a big play to get excited about. They get the 51-yard touchdown from Goff to Reynolds in the fourth quarter, wiped out by a really a, a clumsy illegal procedure uh, with Whitworth being uncovered at the uh, left tackle position. Uh, and then what, how do they respond? Instead of going into a shell, they go six plays and 54 yards down the field to get that touchdown back, 17-7. So they are far off. It was around this time last year that they won 55-53 or whatever against the Chiefs. It's crazy how far we've come uh, since then, and they have a lot of work to do. But they're 6-4. and four. That's In the NFC, that's not a great place to be, especially with that schedule. But they have a chance to save this thing still. Remember I, you know, I said earlier in the podcast, Cardinals – 49ers. That's a great matchup anytime you have it. Uh, to the schedule makers, we don't need another Bears Rams Sunday night special next year. You know, let's, let's Ever, not warned make you. This, let's not make this a tradition. <laughs> you were warned. All right. Um, there you go. That's the Sunday night recap. Uh, two quick things. Number one, the reason you're hearing this podcast right now is that we put it out there, not a challenge, a demand. Uh, 10,000 uh, followers on our Instagram account, the ATN podcast. We hit it. We hit it this weekend. Uh, Eric, I know you were very excited to see that, as were we. As always, the fans of this podcast stepped up, and we love you. We did not buy followers like some people do on Instagram. Oh, hell no. Just throwing that out there because, you know. They don't have the money. Yeah, it's still a thing. Or the budget. They're legit real people, most of them from Europe. Who are you talking about? I don't know. Plenty of people do that, okay. don't they, Erica? I don't know how to I operate. think like some people with thousands and thousands. Yeah. You know, sometimes they're bots, yeah. And as a gift, as a gift to all these um, listeners and, and the people that love the video content that we put up often on the Instagram handle, let's uh, take it back with a little instant replay of Wes in the hot boy jeans. Let's take a look at this. This is for video uh, fans of the show. Roll it. Ooh la la. I feel like I'm in an E.L. Doctoro novel. <laughs> Rat uh, time, baby. A good work by Ryan Bartlett, Eric Tamposi, and the whole team back there. Wes, you are quite a tease. Thank you. That's quite a compliment. We'll be back on Tuesday. We'll uh, recap the Monday night football game that closes out week 11, and then we start looking forward uh, to another week of NFL action. So thank you, everybody, for listening and watching. Oh, yeah. And if you want to see that slow-mo of Wes ah. lifting his leg over and over again to our audio <laughs> listeners of I know. I kind of feel bad for our audio uh, listeners. If you didn't skip ahead, come, come to the Instagram, and that will be there, there at the ATN Podcast. Bang. There you go. Can't wait. This is Dan Hansa signing off for Quiet Storm. Hot Boy Jeans. Ick. <laughs> <laughs> the old boss, Ricky Hollywood, Ryan Bartlett. 
Zach, everybody. Till Tuesday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah. And some waves, so we could go surfing. Oh, I love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, can a girl go shopping? Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.